Amen. I'm glad God's preserved his book for us, aren't you? Thank you for that good song. Heavenly Father, as we come to the preaching of your word tonight, I pray that you would bless it in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would use me simply as a tool in your hand to accomplish your will for this hour, our lives, and this church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're back to the same miracle that we learned from this morning, and I love Bible miracles, and I love this miracle. And, of course, I've often said the thing that makes the Bible come alive to me uh, is not a chart on the wall or an outline, but what makes the Bible come alive to me is to live it, to experience the Word of God. And I'm glad that our children are not having to read about what God used to do, but I'm glad our children are seeing that our God is the same God as the all aid. It is very obvious in the words, in the writing of the chapter that the Lord Jesus is desiring to teach his disciples and the many who followed him truth. He wants them to know truth, truth that was far beyond the miracle. Our attention is typically on the miracle because the miracle is something that's big and beyond our ability. Now, it's the norm for God. Miracles are the norm for God. and They're not extraordinary. They're ordinary for God. And sometimes the miracle that is used to get our attention to Him, sometimes our uh, sometimes we don't see what he wants to teach us because all we see is the miracle. And the Lord Jesus used the miracle to get their attention so he could teach them a truth. In the chapter before, at the end of the chapter, he has healed a deaf man. In the beginning of chapter 8, Jesus miraculously feeds 4,000 people. And I want you to notice in verse 21, And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? He said, I have been teaching, I have been performing miracles, and it seems that they saw the miracle, but they missed the message of the miracle. With all of my heart, I want our church to not only rejoice in the miracles of God, I want us to see the close to God after miracles as before the miracles. I'm thankful that I serve a God that miracles are the norm for him. If you go to the rest of the chapter, you'll find that he met with his disciples and he asked the question, whom do, say, uh, whom do men say that I am? And they gave the names of people that they guessed and then Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We learned this morning how the Lord Jesus performed this miracle in stages. Now I want to repeat some of this just because we need to hear it. We need to get a hold of it. And he, he performed this miracle in stages and it seems that he works not only to get their attention but to teach truth. And again I say this comes alive because we've lived it. Uh, God doesn't just dump out all the answer and say there it is and just dump out all of the blessings and say there it is because if he did, it would spoil us. 
because he wants us to trust in him. And this is an example of a miracle that he performed in miracles. I remind you, they said to him, Lord, uh, as they brought the blind man to him, uh, they said, would you touch him? Because they believed the power was in the touch. The power wasn't in the touch, it was in the master. And so Jesus not only touched him, he held on to him and he led him out of town. Now that's going to be the focus of the uh, purpose of the message tonight, why he led him out of town and told him, don't say anything about this, don't go back into town, and I'm going to tell you why he did that in just a moment. But when he held his hand, he touched him and nothing happened. Now imagine the thought of those that brought him to Jesus and asked that he touch him, and when he touched him, nothing happened. And then the Lord Jesus took spit and put it on his eyes and asked him what he saw. And when he responded and said, I see men walking as trees, I imagine that there are those, and we know other stories of how some doubted, some criticized, some fault. No doubt there is some saying here, he's losing it. He doesn't have the power to do what he intended to do. This man still, though he can see, he cannot see clearly. And as I said this morning, I want to re-preach re it, but I will uh, repeat the principle. God leads us along, and we need to keep trusting him because sometimes he leads us high on the mountain, and sometimes he leads us through the valley. But friend, you can always trust him wherever he is leading you, wherever he is guiding you in your life. Then he heals the man completely, and they know he is the Christ. The disciples then learned from the Lord Jesus and from the questions of God. He wanted them to know that he was the great I am. Now listen to me. The disciples got it. Because Jesus, after he ascends back to heaven, the disciples saw many miracles after Christ ascended. The first that they saw was the coming of the Holy Spirit as a, as a, a result of his promise. Then they saw 3,000 that were saved and baptized. We referred to that uh, as Pentecost. And then we saw the church at Jerusalem. It explodes in growth. Persecution comes and you would think that the Roman Empire could put the church out of business. But all it does, it takes the gospel and it spreads it throughout the known world. And churches are started all over Asia Minor and they see the miraculous hand of God in the early New Testament church and he continues to work as a miracle working God tonight. Now I want us to see something else that takes place after the miracle. And this really gets my attention. I want you to see it. Jesus tells the healed man, verse 26, let's look at it again. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Jesus tells the healed man that he's not to return to the town of Bethsaida, but he'd just go to his house, and he's not to tell anyone about the miracle. Now, verse number 23, I, I remind you, he leads him out of town. He doesn't even perform the miracle in the town. Now, isn't this interesting? And that catches my attention and with the question, why? Well, as you read the scripture, you find most of the questions are in the scripture rather than the commentary. 
Sometimes the commentary helps you find it quicker, so we go to that rather than the scripture. But it's in the scripture when you look and see because it's not the first time Jesus told someone not to tell others about a miracle. And sometimes he did that to prevent large crowds. And it seems that he wants to prevent a frenzy that would take place about a miracle because, again, he doesn't want them to follow the miracle. He wants them to follow him as the master. Now, this time the reason is different. Bethsaida is near the place where Jesus fed the 5,000. Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. Bethsaida, they were shown, now pay it through Christ as, as a result, Jesus pronounced a curse on the city of Bethsaida. He said, you rejected me. You have the truth revealed to you. I don't know if we recognize how dangerous it is as a nation to turn our back on God as our nation has turned its back on God tonight. He pronounced a curse on them. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, go down to verse number 21. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, Matthew eleven twenty one. 21. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes, or to the extreme, or to the fullest. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets my attention for our nation that's turning its back on God tonight. Verse 23, And thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. There's several lessons for us to learn here. But one of the obvious is don't let God show himself real in your life and you ignore it. Don't let God do a work in your life and you turn your back on him and live in fear rather than faith or live in selfishness rather than faith in God. The town of Bethsaida had been rejected by the Lord because of their unbelief. They had rejected the great light that they had been given and they would receive no more light. And that's why Jesus' town was off limits. The community had been judged. What a fearful thing. Now, there are two ways we can look at this. We can look at it at the very negative, and we can say, well, you look at all the work that's been done in America. You look at all the preaching. You look at all of the uh, opportunities for folks uh, to know Christ as Savior while we have known him, and we've rejected him. And some think that they love God, but they disobey the Bible. It's pretty hard to say you love God and you don't know the Bible. It's pretty hard when you see folks say, well, I love God too, but they live in open sin against the word of God. And I want to tell you, I, I, I don't know that God has turned his back on America, but I'll tell you, I sure am afraid for my nation tonight. I'm concerned that with all that God has done in America, by the way, 
this is not the only place or places listed in Matthew chapter 11. In Romans chapter 1, he talked about a generation that had rejected God. And they'd gone into not only the sin of immorality, they had gone into the unnatural sins that we are seeing promoted as something good and right. Now I say, that, I say this carefully, but monkeypox is spreading as a result of immorality and wickedness. Even the, the major newspapers are writing about it and, and, and the Washington if we practice abstinence among the homosexual community, but then they said this, but that would be too much to ask. Never mind that they shut the nation down for two years. We did sure don't want to offend the unnatural. even been published Friday, Saturday, and Sunday about this very issue. This whole nation was shut down over COVID. Churches were closed. I personally received instruction, you have to close your church. Well, I didn't open it. I didn't start the church. Christ did. You have to take that up with him. If you want it stopped, you'll have to tell God. The sheriff in our town that day was told, I want you to go to that church and I want that church stopped. Now, you know as well as I do, all the box stores were open and specifically the liquor stores were open. And it became noticeable to see the long lines at the drive through windows and, 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 and of the liquor stores. I've never understood why driving under the influence is illegal and have so many drive through places for alcohol. But it's a part of the hypocrisy. It's a part of the deceiving and being deceived. I don't know tonight if God's finished with this nation. I don't know. And I pray that he is not. But I'm concerned for my nation. I'm not talking about a political issue. I'm talking about a spiritual issue. When laws have to be written to protect kindergartners from teachers, that's that side of the truth. Here's the other side of the truth. I do know God, until he returns, desires to bless those that will desire to know him and while there are times that we come to the place that we say I don't see any hope as long as long as we desire to see him there is hope Amen. let me give you this statement I intend to close with it and I'm going to but I'm not closing now I'm just practicing to close while Jesus cursed these cities and he did not go back to them as he had before when he gave them the truth and he gave them the light, they took the fish and the bread, they took the miracles and they walked away from him. They didn't want to follow him. As long as they brought people to Jesus, he kept healing them. That's what I want you to hear me say. God kept working as long as they brought people to Christ. So here's, here's the purpose of the message tonight. I want you and I as individuals to be an example of the culture of the nation on one who will believe in him and serve him even though the culture of the nation around you 
may turn their back on God. Teenager, you ought to decide, I'm going to believe in him. If all others turn their back on him, I'm going to believe that old black book. You ought to say, as the fellow's saying, I'm going to take a stand on the old word of God. I'm going to take a stand on this Bible right here. You see, as long as they brought people to Jesus, he healed them. Now that's encouraging to me because as long as we keep bringing people to Jesus, folks are going to be saved. Now as I look at history and especially world history, and I watch and see what the gospel did as the gospel came west and came to America, and I see there came a generation that turned their back on God at one time, England was a nation set on fire of God, but there came a generation of those that said, we're not interested in this anymore, and they, and they turned down their commitment, and they turned down their surrender to the place you would be hard-pressed to find a Bible-preaching, soul-winning church in England and the Spirit of God is simply not working across that country as it once did. You look at the history of Germany, <coughs> that at one time were a Bible-believing people, and Hitler started the youth programs and began to teach the youth that, that government was more important than God, and God was not the blesser and the giver, but that government was, and turned that nation against God. I don't want that to happen in America. I want to keep bringing people to Christ. I want to keep believing Him, and as long as we come to Him, He blesses those that have faith in Him. Amen. I want our families to be an example of God's blessings on a family that will serve Him even in a nation that's turned its back on God. Think of the illustrations, if you will. Uh, there were times as you look through the history of the Word of God and you find that the culture or the town or the nation turned its back on God and yet there was a family. And this is encouraging. Folks, we're living in the days of the return. That's where we are. We are in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're in that time of that turning away. That's where we are tonight. There was a time that every church would preach the gospel. We not only have churches tonight that are not going out with the gospel, they're not even preaching the gospel in the church. But when you look at those ages and Noah being of the worst day and time, and Jesus referred to that and said the last days will be as they were in the days of Noah, and he said their imagination was wicked. Uh, folks, I hear things reported today that I could not imagine what they're talking about. You know what it says about Noah? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know why? He sought God. And God saved Noah and his wife and, and his children and their wives and those eight were saved because of faith in God. Don't you come to the place that you say, well, there's no hope for America, there's no hope for me. As long as you seek God, as long as you desire to know God, as long as you walk with God in his book, God can bless your family. Keep rearing your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Keep teaching them to pray. Teach them to give. Teach them to be a help and a servant to Christ by serving others. I want our families to be an example of God's blessings on a family that will serve Him. 
You go through the Bible and you find those times. Uh, for example, uh, Jeremiah gave us one of the greatest prayer promises in all of the Old Testament in chapter 33 and verse number 3. As God said through him, called unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah never had a single convert. Oh, but dear friend, he had a walk with God and God blessed Jeremiah. In Bethsaida, somebody brought a man to Jesus. That's what we have to keep doing. We have to keep coming to him, believing that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. I want our church to be an example of God's blessings on a church that will believe in him and will serve him. I got a text message from Brother Brad that brought us this afternoon. He said, Preacher, I watched uh, the uh, slad. Not only did I grow up in the miracles of God, and not only that they continue today, he said, I'm seeing God do the very same thing right here at Bible Baptist Church in Radcliffe, Kentucky. You see, for people who seek God, he's still blessing them. Don't you let this culture tell you about faith in God. Don't you let this culture present the circumstance to be greater than God. He is a miracle working God and for those that had faith in him he continued to bless. You go through the New Testament and you find the history of the church. You'll find churches such as Thessalonica. Paul was there just three Sabbath days reasoning with him and teaching the scripture until they ran him out of town but God blessed the church of Thessalonica. God bless the churches of the New Testament, not in a time of freedom. They weren't worried about losing their tax-exempt status. They were worried about losing their heads. If my forefathers were willing to give their heads for the cause of Christ, we ought not be worried about losing tax-exempt status. Not a week goes by and somebody doesn't send me a note, some kind of a message and say, you ought to lose your tax-exempt status preaching the way you do. Of course, they're ignorant of history. They're ignorant of American history. Let me say tonight, whether you're here watching online or whenever you see this message, if you'll receive him, you can be saved. Amen. We have folks today that they're, they're preaching it's too late to be saved. Friend, if you'll hear his voice and, and you and, and you'll put your faith and trust in him, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 13 is still in the word of God. If you'll receive him, he'll save you tonight. I've talked to folks that have said, well, I'm afraid it's too late to be saved. If you want to serve God, he'll bless you tonight. And I want to say, young people, you ought to surrender your life to Christ. This world has nothing to offer that compares uh, to that of the will of God. And whatever God leads you in as a layman, uh, as a, a full-time servant, whatever it may be, you seek the will of God for your life and you seek him first in your life. God is the giver of blessings. And it doesn't matter what this is, chapter 3. You just continue in the same things that have been delivered from generation to generation and those things that I have given to you. I believe tonight if a church desires to be blessed, even in this wicked world, God will bless it. I hunger to be a church like that. Now I want to say as we close this Miracle Sunday, let's just not look at the miracle. Let's rejoice in that. Hallelujah, friend. I've walked through that building so many times in the day, in the early mornings, and then the night hours asking God to provide 
I have begged, I have prayed, and, and, and so many folks have joined in that prayer. I thank God for the miracle. I thank God. I don't know how many times in the last eight weeks uh, that the uh, men would say to me, Preacher, here's how much money we have to have on Friday. And there have been times I've wondered how in the world are we going to meet it. And I've said to them, if we don't get this amount of money by this Friday, we'll just have to tell the contractors to stop. We paid them every Friday. Every Friday. I know what it's like as I read this story of the woman that went to the barrel and she had enough food for one more day and she put off her dying for another day. I don't know how many times I've said in the last eight weeks, let's go ahead and work one more week. Let's go ahead and work one more week. And now I'm telling them, can we get a night shift to work out of here? We got the money to pay for it. They said, we've been working night and day. I said, oh, I see. As long as they brought people to Jesus, he healed them. I don't know when or if God's finished with America. I, I don't know. I long to see a national revival. But friend, if we never see a national revival, I'm glad that I can live in revival until Jesus comes. I can live in the goodness of God until he comes. Make the decision tonight. You'll be that family. You'll be that individual. You'll be a part of that church that said, I want to see the blessings of God. Stand with me if you will. I love this miracle. And I love all that we learn in this miracle. Lord, help us tonight. I, I have a little bit of fear and concern after big blessings. Sometimes, Lord, after big blessings, we tend to relax our prayer life. We tend to relax our time with you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we go home tonight. Our families gathered together. We would rejoice in the goodness of God. We would rehearse the times of prayer and the sacrificial giving. But then, Lord, we would teach our families it's not time to be weary in well-doing. We must press on because the same God of the past miracles is still our God. Let's see what God wants to do in our lives. Bless our invitation.